Two friends taking pictures of the rising full moon on a summer night. Two teenage kids doing what teenage kids do. When a stranger with a gun and a death wish changed everything. It was violent, it was senseless, and I will never understand it, I will never accept it. I'm Amy Donaldson, and unfortunately, we're all too familiar with stories about how violence shatters lives. But what we rarely see is how they are rebuilt. In a new podcast, The Letter, we relive tragedy, but only so we can hear the rest of the story. The struggle to reclaim lives, the realities of grief, and the possibilities of forgiveness. I believe in miracles. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. It happened again. I got, I got distracted. I got tore, taken down a rabbit hole tangent by one of the stories from Maria's newscast. It was that last one there. I spent a portion of the morning watching a video sent to me by Brigham Young University, specifically a laboratory there. And as you heard Maria uh, describing, they have developed there uh, some technology that uses these nanomaterials and a special electrified high-pressure printer type thing. And I'm sure I've already butchered the explanation. Uh, But what it does very essentially is it prints prints a, a very fine film that has a certain static electric charge. And that charge, uh, mixed with the characteristic of of breathability, you you can breathe through this. The claim by Brigham Young University researchers is that you can take that film, print it, uh, and then uh, apply it to any, any of the cloth masks that you and I have been wearing to protect ourselves and others over the past few months. And the combination of the cloth mask plus this printed nanomaterial technology static charge deal, uh, it will increase the efficacy of your mask to degrees which even surpass the N95 masks. N95 refers to the mask's ability to filter out 95% of harmful particulates. The claims from Brigham Young University is that uh, not stopping at 95, they can get to 96, 97, 8, even 99% of pollutants filtered out with this uh, mask. Uh, we're working on lining up a conversation with one of those researchers tomorrow. It's an absolutely fascinating thing, and BYU presented it in a pretty cool way. They sent a cameraman into the lab. Uh, they show the process taking place. Uh, they have some slow-motion photography. You can see uh, the, the very fine uh, film being printed. It's a neat thing, and uh, I'm grateful uh, to hear from that uh, uh, great university, my own alma mater, uh, really doing uh, whatever it can to to aid in uh, this uh, in this battle against the coronavirus. Now, is is it widely available quite yet? Uh, no. Uh, is it something that's destined for uh, the open market? Well, not necessarily, uh, because well, last point I'll make on this story is uh, Brigham Young University has uh, announced that it will be an open source type thing. So, if you have the equipment and the gear, uh, then and the materials needed. To create these films, there's going to be a blueprint for executing that. And that'll be available to, to companies and individuals. Uh, so anyway, looking forward to a conversation uh, along those lines here tomorrow. And, okay, back on track. Let me get back on track. Uh, during the commercial break, oh, shoot, this is a second tangent. Oh, this is going to be a pretty choppy segment. Well, hold on, hold on. Uh, I'm going to take you for a ride here. We, we talked about the masks out of BYU. Uh, and now one last stop uh, before we arrive at our destination, which if you remember was the question, are we ready for a boring president? If we get back to, we'll get to that in a second. 
But first, I need to share with you uh, something that just came from Atlanta, Georgia. Just before uh, Centers for Disease Control Director Robert Redfield took uh, questions from reporters in uh, a press briefing, this afternoon, uh, they, they were talking about the COVID-19 response, specifically Operation Warp Speed, uh, and the questions surrounded uh, a vaccine. And I want you to hear what uh, Dr. Redfield had to say. He opened with some realistic remarks about the ongoing and growing uh, coronavirus crisis and and the progress on a vaccine. Listen up. I'm also optimistic that we'll have a limited supply of one or more COVID vaccines available for distribution before the end of this year. You hear that? There are few voices of more authority on this subject than Robert Redfield, again, the director of the Centers for Disease Control. He said that he expects there to be a limited supply uh, of one or more COVID-19 vaccines available by the end of this year. Now, he did say limited, uh, and so what does that mean? We didn't quantify it exactly, but... Uh, There will be, at least by the end of this year, if limited are available, what we can count on is having an FDA-approved safe and effective vaccine available for whoever finds themselves in the first wave of recipients likely to be uh, first responders. Uh, Director Redfield continued his comments uh, from Atlanta today. But we're not quite there yet. That is why it's so important that all of us remain uh, diligent in our efforts to defeat this virus. That's a point you've heard from Utah officials as well, including the governor and epidemiologist Dr. Angela Dunn, that there is never a moment where complacency is is productive. All right, we gotta we got to fight through uh, the fatigue of adhering to these guidelines. Last word from Dr. Redfield on uh, Operation Warp Speed and the vaccine, and then we're going to get to that uh, all-important question of, are we ready for a boring presidency? Last word from Dr. Redfield. And the pandemic is not over. Earlier this week, COVID virus cases reached over 40 million globally. Here in the United States, we're approaching a critical phase. Critical phase. Critical phase. But we will be aided greatly by the arrival of a vaccine. The prediction there by Director for the Centers for Disease Control, Dr. Redfield, is that we will have limited access to a vaccine by the end of this calendar year. By the end of this year, certain predictions had it earlier, some later, uh, this just being the latest. And let's hope uh, that this is the one on which we can rely. OK, I have about three minutes left. The question is very basic. Are we ready for a boring presidency? I think back uh, in my life to times where uh, you know I was more or less engaged in politics. For the most part, I've been engaged, uh, but there have been uh, stretches of life where, you know, my job, Uh, or my interest really uh, hasn't required that I follow politics or government that much. It was a simpler time for me, certainly. (laughs) You know, you just live your life. Uh, But uh, it is impossible. It's impossible over the past four years. uh, And even I I would include the Obama years, the past eight years, uh, 12. It's been difficult to really step away from politics. And you can debate whether or not that's good uh, or bad, but uh, there, there was a time where you and I uh, were a little more ignorant uh, to, as to the day-to-day goings-on of our federal government. And if I'm honest, I kind of crave those days. I, I crave the days when, well, how about this? For example, remember Jay Leno when he was hosting The Tonight Show? Uh, he had that segment he called Jaywalking. 
And how did it work? Do you remember he would uh, walk up and down, you know, whatever boulevard there was out in front of his uh, studio, and he would find uh, folks on the street, and he would approach them and ask them uh, the most basic of seemingly basic of civics questions about the makeup of the federal government, about the history of our country. Uh, but specifically, uh, there were times he would ask about uh, who fills who fills uh, a given position in government. I can remember one in particular where uh, Jay was out there on the street and he asked uh, a series of pedestrians there, uh, asked, okay, who is the vice president of the United States? Who is the vice president of the United States. This was during, uh, if I remember correctly, the George W. Bush uh, days. And it was remarkable that he did not encounter uh, a single person. Now, I get it, selective editing, and you, you pick and choose, and you do what you can to tailor the segment to, to be most entertaining. But uh, I think you'd be hard-pressed to find too many people who, who would be unable to name uh, Mike Pence as the vice president today. Uh, another asked, uh, those on the streets, if you could name the, the, the first name of the first lady. And there was a day where no one knew, at least no one in the jaywalking segment. And I only use that to highlight the fact that there, uh, there is a period of time in our lives, most of them, where we would cast our ballots uh, and we would put our trust uh, in those who were elected to the degree where we would forget for a time until the next election cycle. And if we were responsible, uh, you know, we'd brush up and we would familiarize ourselves on anyone for whom we voted. Uh, but, but for the most part, we were not inundated daily in every corner of our lives, uh, in our homes, in our workplaces, at school, on uh, the street, at all corners. Uh, we weren't uh, always inundated uh, by the federal government and the politics therein, uh, as we have been for the past four, eight, 12 years, depending on how you count. Uh, and what about that going forward? Could we get back to something like that? Uh, would we crave it? Would we miss the days of being involved as we are to the degree we are today? Uh, I don't know. Uh, but I know that I personally uh, would love, would love a break. I'd love a break. Quick, quick break. Well, I'll get one now. Uh, quick break. And when we return... We're going to look at polling numbers. We're going to compare how Joe Biden is doing today to how Hillary Clinton was doing four years ago today. We know how that race turned out. How will the how will this race turn out? We'll do some speculating next on Live Mike. I'm Lee Lonsberry, and this is KSL News Radio. I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts.